F you, Galen. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy. I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. And before we fully get into talking about this week's chapter, we want to make a quick clarification slash announcement. Last week, we introduced and talked about a theory and reasons why that theory might be valid in a very haphazard way. Uh, We left out a lot of the context, and that created confusion on the ideas and relationships proposed in that theory. Like usual, we'll wait until after the episode discussion to fully dive into that, but we just want to make uh, everyone aware that we'll be revisiting that at the end to clear up the ideas that were presented. For now, though, let's take a look at Chapter 16, Lessons. Alright, so this chapter starts out with a a little bit more uh, description of coteries, specifically one in particular, Crossfire's Coterie. Yeah, which is a pretty cool name. It is, yes. <laughs> um, and it's kind of like interesting to point out that they're usually named after, not after the, the monarch that they're serving, but mm-hmm. after one of the members or the leader of the Coterie themselves. Yes. And I think this one is referred to as like Galen's Coterie, <laughs> like the later on. Um, oh, Yeah. Because it's it's not yeah, because they're he, not individuals anymore. Right. It kind of beats them into one, yeah, one being. But uh, it basically goes over that uh, they usually choose their members because they have to work together closely. They have to trust each other. Uh, they have to have that camaraderie. And Galen bucks that tradition and goes and just takes what he has and beats them into submission, thinking that. Um, if he makes them think that they're all above everybody else, then they'll have the, they'll have to have themselves o- alone because they're the only ones who are superior. <laughs> right. Yeah. So this entry kind of goes more in depth into who is able to be included in these skill coteries. It says these groups did not usually include any of exceptional royal blood, but were limited to cousins and nephews of the direct line of accession, or those who showed an aptitude and were judged worthy. So even if you had an aptitude, you still had to be worthy of learning how to use that skill. Right. And even so, um, if you learned, it wasn't necessary that you were going to be in a coterie. You'd have to have other people select you right. as part of that because you worked well with them or you were liked. Mm-hmm. And we do know from later books that um, there were sometimes single members mm-hmm. who just worked alone. I can't remember what they're called. Either solos or journeymen. I can't know. Yeah. Journeymen might be a status in there. I don't know. Um, but yeah. yeah. But they also were useful if they could be trained. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it goes over that like uh, a lot of Crossfire's coterie here was uh, crippled people uh, in one way or the other, and a lot of people love them for who they were and uh, the the utility that they brought to the kingdom. And I just thought it was interesting to juxta- juxtapose that against Galen's hatred of anybody who is even considered right. slightly disfigured or not normal, mm-hmm. quote unquote. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought it was just like an interesting comparison that is kind of brought up because mm-hmm. they're, this passage is comparing Crossfire's coterie with what Galen forged. Right. Basically. <laughs> and, I mean, I also like the idea that this group chose each other because they were others, um, because they recognized another human being who was going through a type of outcastness, um, and that they found a group where they could all belong and all be equal. And it says that in spite of their disabilities, they were they had a strength that was greater than the largest warship and more important to the defense of the queen. Yeah, and it kind of came to me at the start of this passage, talking about this packet passage, that um, this is one of the coteries that Galen would not have spoken of because, one, there were women in it, and two, it was serving a queen right, rather than a king. Which is so and, weird. And, I mean, they're disfigured. So. Right. Which is <laughs> a triple whammy. But which is, it's weird that, like, the queen thing would throw him off because he thinks his mother is right. yeah. a, more royal than true. I guess it but. specifically says he doesn't talk about the queens who wielded the skill, but right. still I feel like he would but avoid I mean, mentioning them. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those, like, his mom is an exception, not the rule sort of deals. Um but yeah, I just thought it was really cool. And we see this later on with Thick that yeah. um, he's not what other people would describe as normal. He's kind of an outcast. And he has the strongest skill usage of anyone that is known to, the, yeah. to our group of people that we get to follow. <laughs> so I think it's interesting that potentially this is saying that if you have if you're lacking in some aspect of your life and have the skill the skill can be used to make up for that yeah um, I, like if you're blind know. right you know yeah, and that's kind of i mean i don't know how true any of this is but like i know usually they say if you don't if you're missing a sense like if you're blind or deaf some of your other senses are stronger because you rely on those more um just for not having the one that everybody else <laughs> uses uh, but that could be kind of how the skill, it just manifests deeper because you rely on it more. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, that's an interesting theory. Um, it's hard to say because we we get only Thick as an example and then like references to other people. Right. And specifically Crossfire's uh, coterie doesn't have everyone who's lacking a sense. It says right. that I guess some are burned. Um, blind, lame, hair-lipped, or disfigured by fire. So like... Some are just disfigured, which is yeah. not the same as having a disability. But... But it is interesting that like if you are an outcast you would more cling to this thing inside of you that makes you feel connected to all life around you. Right. So that could definitely be a a plausible theory that if it not necessarily would make you stronger, but it would make you more apt to train in it and have that be prevalent in your life because you're, you'd be clinging to that like connectedness. Yeah. Well, I mean, Fitz is kind of an other and he was super strong and true. Until <laughs> I mean, he, he's a farseer too, though. So. I mean, that's fair. That's very fair. He does have good royal blood in him. <laughs> um, it also talks about 
what we've kind of talked about briefly on a, a few episodes in the past is how King Bounty stopped the use or the training of the skill, basically. Yes. And it was during the peacetime. So we know King Bounty was um, early on, he was um, campaigning around the Sand Sedge area. That's when Shade was born. Mm-hmm. And then after that campaign, it must have been a very, very long period of peace. And specifically, that must have been like the last few years. So like 10 years of peace before Shade got to the castle where they're like, well, there's no wars. Everything's very complacent. Let's shut down the program because we don't need anybody else. We have everything that we need. We don't want to put more resources into this. And let's only train princes like true blood princes now. Yeah. Which seems weird. It, it because, seems like a short period of time to me. Yeah. But it also feels like, why wouldn't you be, pre- be preparing for the future? You can't expect peace no. always. Yeah. <laughs> Not and, everybody looks to the future, though, too. So. I guess. You'd think a king would, though, is all I'm saying. But, True. you know, he didn't. So here we are. Um, but I did think it's interesting that... So Shrewd originally made an effort to yeah. locate and recruit former practitioners... And it says that most were aged or no longer proficient. And that just had me wondering, they're no longer proficient. Does that mean they just never use the skill again after being dismissed? Possibly. Not even to keep up with their old Coterie member mates? (laughs) I guess not. Yeah, it says, like, uh, um, the creation of Coteries was abandoned. Existing Coteries disbanded due to aging, death, or simply a lack of purpose. So... If they felt like they weren't needed at all, maybe they tried to find purpose in something else in their life. Because you can't really use the skill. I mean, in like <laughs> you shouldn't use the yeah. skill in your everyday life. True. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't. <laughs> True. I, I was kind of curious about that too because the practitioners that he found that were aging must be extremely old if they were aging. Because kettle, right. we know, is like. 200 years old or something like that and she looks like she's Mm middle-aged um so if shrewd like reached out to people it must have been people that he remembered were high up in the ranks when he was a boy so they must have been like super old because a lot of like kettles um didn't kettles coterie did they all die or did they go to a dragon they all went to a dragon okay i thought okay they I didn't sure. finish the dragon, right. and she didn't go with them. Yeah. But they all went to because they the cast her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then there was the the also the no longer proficient, and I was wondering, did he reach out to Kettle? Oh yeah. I I wouldn't think so because she kind of disappeared, and no one really mm-hmm. knew where she was. Yeah, but it was just kind of a thought of like, she's no longer proficient in the skill. She <laughs> kind of got blocked off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. But she still knows things. And then I, too, wonder if maybe people were angry about being cast out. True. Um, And so they're like, oh, sorry, can't help you. I'm no longer any good at this thing that is a natural ability. (laughs) Well, if they live that long or um, they stop the use of it, there is a reason. And I'm guessing here, but I'm... I'm guessing that a lot of them were dealing with that addiction issue. Mm, right. 
and the the struggle and like I want to be a part of this whole skill stream and release myself and they don't want to bring new people into that. That's fair. Or or they even, don't want them to be used yeah. like they were for the Farseer crown. That's fair. But also they know that elf bark deadens them. So I wonder if they've been like so to speak poisoning themselves mm. so that they don't have to feel the Maybe. Or give in to the urge to join the skill stream. I don't know anyone who like willingly take elf park though, besides Fitz. So. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> but I mean, if you're facing... I just want to feel depressed today. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to do it forever, just long enough to where your skill is yeah, dampened. But if you don't take it, like it gradually comes back, doesn't it? I guess Like I it don't stops know. the growth or something, but I don't know. Well, they, they talk about more about elf park... After Fitz starts taking it for, you know, a year or so. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it once again kind of talks about Galen's coterie that he's creating, and he is going to personally gift to Shrewd as if it was his to give in the first place. And Galen thinks of them as objects, as like a weapon. They're not people, they're not a coterie. He doesn't realize that the coterie should have always belonged to first themselves, but their primary purpose is to serve the king. It's not like he is gifting them with his good graces this wonderful right. tool. Yeah. His training goal is that each member would be an unquestioning part of a unit. So he that makes it sound like he's not even teaching them the full capabilities. He's just teaching... Right. He Each do- one a specialized part. He doesn't know the full capabilities of what you can do with the skill. True. Fair enough. I mean, though, he does have all of the scrolls at this point, so he might know True. what else could be done. He just chooses not to teach it all. I know when um, uh, when Fitz and Shade are like trying to decipher some of the scrolls, mm-hmm. a lot of it is from like you know 500 years ago or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's pretty esoteric. Fair. So I feel like the the jump from a journeyman skill user to a skill master would be like, you have to get context for all this scholarly study right? rather okay. than just like basic uses. So I feel like... Galen's I, too lazy. Yeah, in my mind, the headcanon... Well, he didn't have the opportunity because uh, right, Solicity right. died. I in My headcanon would be like... He knows what he's doing and he has abilities, but he doesn't know like the fine details of everything. Like, obviously, he doesn't really know um, how to lengthen his life much, besides, like, certain, like, things that he's deciphered, like, leeching life from somebody else. And right. I don't know. There's just, like, some things that I feel like he's missing mm. based on the stories that we get from old skill users or what they were capable of. Yeah. Hmm. But it could be just because he's a hateful guy and I want to think less of him. Right. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so it does say at least one member of the royal family expressed his abhorrence of the idea of being presented with this unit. Yeah. Um, the only one left is Verity. Right. <laughs> and yeah. he was trained primarily to begin with by Solicity. Right. Finished the training with Galen. But yeah, I I feel like... Verity is such a people person, not necessarily like diplomatic, but yeah. he understands 
usually people, what people are thinking. And that people need individuality. And they need individuality. And yeah. he, I mean, he's been in the army. He knows you can't mm-hmm. expect one unit to be all unquestioning and like... Yeah, I'm sure he's trained as like plenty of men and they still each have their own things. Yeah. Like I know in the US, uh, basic training kind of has to brainwash you a little bit. Yeah, they to, break you down. Yeah, to break you down, end. to build you back up, to obey orders, because if you don't, you could get killed in the field and things like that. But at this time, like, I don't know if they had that intensive training or, <laughs> like, they needed to fully break somebody down because they're in, like, a period of peace. Like, Well, not... I mean, they have raids, but they're, they haven't had wars but I mean, we do know that the King and Verity have been nonstop skilling right. to stop the raids from getting worse. Yeah, so I know, but I feel it's like not like a full... He, I'm saying like before, with his experience of training men, right. they haven't had full-out wars where they have to have fast training, break people down, build them back up into one mm. unit kind of thing, and he right. sees the value in the individual man that can make decisions okay. rather than a that. brainwashed tool that will do whatever somebody bids them to. Yeah. Well, because then that begs the question, are they really loyal to me or the person who taught them? Right. Yeah. Which uh, is, Not that I know that that's exactly what he's thinking, but that's what I would be thinking. And that's exactly what Galen was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Doing. But King Shrewd couldn't resist. Well, and I mean, yeah, because times are hard. Yeah. <laughs> so then it switches perspectives to Fitz again, and he is on the tower top, and every time somebody new comes in, Fitz is like, I can, I can feel their hate. They are staring at me. No one said anything because I met them eye to eye, but they hate me. Yeah. Just for taking a beating and Galen saying that he was unworthy. Right. So, um, they wait a long time, and Galen finally shows up. Yeah, like, a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Not sun, just the normal amount. <laughs> sun is over the tower top, so it's probably, like, mid-morning. Maybe he should get a beating for being the last one to the tower top. <laughs> <laughs> I think he already did, but I another mean, one would be maybe in. But hey, it's his rule's not mine. <laughs> um, and... Fitz says, like, he's he's aware of the dismay that the others felt by looking at Galen. Because Galen is mm-hmm. way worse than Fitz is. Right. Um, he's, like, black and purple and blue all over. He's wearing loose clothing, which he doesn't ever do. <laughs> Fitz, Fitz makes a comment of, like, it was like seeing him in his nightshirt. <laughs> <laughs> because he used to wear tight-fitting all the time. Mm-hmm. So I was just I thought that was a little funny. Um, and <laughs> my favorite part is... Um, his hands, too, were purple and knobby, but I could not recall that I had seen bruises on Burek's body. <laughs> I concluded that he had used them as a vain attempt to shield his face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like the fact that he's like, wait, was Burek bruised? Nah, he just used his hand as a shield. <laughs> this must have been, like, a scary sight to behold. Right? Like a very large man dragging somebody else who you know has magic. The magic not affecting the man. Mm-hmm. The man just throws him out of the ground, declares something, and starts beating this guy to a pulp. Yep. And it's the god's decree. Because right? oh, he lost. So good. So good, but like it's scary if you don't think of the context surrounding I mean, this yeah, particular if thing. If you don't know how horrible Regal is, which Galen. it seems like... 
oh, sorry, <laughs> Freudian slip. <laughs> you don't know how terrible Galen is, which it seems like most people do. <laughs> then it would be a little scary, but also pretty nice if you were one of the millions of people who were harassed yeah. by Galen. Yeah. So. Um, they kind of survey, survey each other. Fitz is taking no satisfaction in this. Right. He's just kind of determined at this point. But I thought that was really nice. I mean, Fitz is a good person, and this is a good reminder. Not that he's done anything to make us think otherwise, I don't believe. But it just brings home this idea of how awful Galen is. Yeah. Because Fitz doesn't take joy in other people's pain, even if he doesn't like them. He isn't happy to see that Burek wailed on Galen. And Galen is smug because the rest of the group, he can feel that the rest of the group hates Fitz. But Fitz is also very ashamed of himself. He still has those deep-seated feelings of shame because Galen is charismatic. He was able to, even if the charisma wasn't like a likability, it was a force of presence that made him believable that, uh, Hmm. that he had no humanity except for like the skill. Like the skill was all of that Fitz was worth. And since he failed at that, um, he feels shameful. He's like, I had so, I believe so strongly in his invulnerability and superiority that this evidence of his mere humanity left me feeling foolish. That unbalanced his composure. Twice he opened his mouth to speak to me. The third time he turned his back on the class and said, begin your physical limbering. So like, I don't think there's any room in him to feel joy or happiness or being smug that Galen got beat up because Fitz is still feeling the effect of the command. Like, it's only been a few days later and he still has those shameful shameful feelings about himself that he's a failure and and that he fully... And now they're kind of turned on that he knows that Galen did something or, like, he... Not necessarily that he skilled him, but... He knows that what Galen did was wrong, and now Fitz is like, well, I'm a failure for believing Galen now. Mm. See, I thought that the shame was, like, for Galen. Like, I feel sorry for Galen in a way, you know? Or it's, I don't know, Galen's the one being shameful, but I like your interpretation better. Yeah, I mean, I guess it technically technically does say... Um, I took no satisfaction in his bruises or his disgrace. I felt something akin to shame for them, talking about the bruises or disgrace. So, right. I don't know. Like, it's shameful that Galen is a human. Right. Because Galen has been setting himself on this pedestal yeah. that these students will never reach. Yeah. And now it's he's just as human as everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it's... So now and he's Fitz somebody into it. So. Right. But now he's somebody that they can put their nose down at too. Mm-hmm. He except they won't because the other people are still, still too bad. in this cult. <laughs> but like, they're too far in they don't notice. But Fitz can because he's a little bit more outside of it now. Right. But they have um a very short lesson today. I'm sure Galen is exhausted still from recovering and he's like, "Oh, you've 
you've done okay. You know, you've earned these free hours. You've kept up the study while I was gone. Great. You're dismissed. He tries to touch them all with the skill again. And he succeeds until he gets to Fitz. And um, it says that I stood before him as they had. And he made a few brief passes of his hands before my face and over my head. Then he said in a cold voice, You shield too well. You must learn to relax your guard over your thoughts if you are either to send them forth or receive those of others. Go. And I left, as the others had, but regretfully. Privately, I wondered if he had made a real attempt to use the skill on me. I had felt no brush of it. Do you think he actually tried? Ooh. This is hard. I go back and forth. Because on the one hand, I could kind of see... Galen pretending like he's trying and being like, well, you just don't see, told you you don't have any skill. You are being too protected. And maybe also because he's a little scared still, like the beating for Galen also just happened. But on the other hand, Fitz is at the place where he almost killed himself and was horribly beaten mentally and physically by Galen just a few weeks prior. And I think that that, even if Fitz didn't necessarily know it was happening, it could have made him, like, freeze up and not be able to open himself up because of that. Right. Yeah, I I definitely think that Galen is trying here. I know later in the chapter, it does say that Fitz feels the barest hint of Galen's skill once in a while, mm-hmm. but I think it's your second, your second thought there that with everything that's happened and the trauma from that incident, that Fitz is completely locked in on himself now. Right. He is scared of Galen. He is scared of what he went through. He's terrifying of feeling those thoughts again. Right of feeling that desire and he just kind of shields himself without knowing what that means because he's still so new to the skill. Well, also the body protects itself. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you want something to work. If your brain thinks that it will hurt you, it is going to try its hardest not to let you do the thing. It's like you can technically bite off your finger like a carrot but your brain's not going to let you do that because it knows it's going to it knows it's going to hurt. Right. So, so like, I think this is just Fitz's brain saying that hurt really bad last time. I'm not being vulnerable again, whether or not he can recognize that. So, um, yeah, Fitz is completely blocked off here, and he. Either way, like, Fitz is feeling like maybe he's not even trying anymore. So it's just kind of drilled in that Galen won't let him pass. But Fitz is just as determined to learn. So mm-hmm. kind of comes to a head. Um, Fitz is frustrated. Right. He has to do his chores still, though. So he goes down to the stables, you know, uh, does some of his chores. And eventually, Smithy convinces Fitz... Um, and Fitz convinces himself that it was Smithy's idea to go down to town and directly to Molly's shop. Right. And this is where Molly introduces him to um, a man named Jade. Yep. 
and he is a mate off of some Seal Bay trading vessel, not quite 20, and he spoke to me as if I were 10, smiling past me at Molly all the while. (laughs) So, obviously, Jade is somebody who has taken a fancy to Molly. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Molly's a young lady, and is starting to head toward the age of... Yeah, she's like 16, 17. Yeah. So she's starting to head towards an age of like courtship and eventual marriage. So it's no wonder that this super cute ruffian (laughs) has taken (laughs) a liking to her. Um, And I like that Fitz is like trying to be so nonchalant about he was a made off some seal bay trading vessel and <laughs> i don't know i just think it's really funny that it's like a little bit of jealousy peeking through he took far too long to select candles in a new brass lamp but he finally left <laughs> uh, feeling a little jealous there huh mm-hmm. um and so fitz is pretty insistent about uh molly closing up and like let's go for a walk let's spend some time together and Molly's like, I, I can't, I have some work to do. And it says that Fitz felt unreasonably disappointed. I quested toward her and discovered how much she actually wished to go. There's not that much daylight left, I said persuasively. You can always dip tapers this evening. And your customers will come back tomorrow if they find you closed today. And that convinces Molly. Uh-huh. And she's like, oh, Okay. Like, we can go for a walk. That's fine. <laughs> so they walk around town. Town is pretty quiet. Uh, Marcus deserted. So they walked on the beach. And Fitz eventually gets kind of uh, tired. And they kind of sit down. They're catching up a little bit. She asks after his injuries and things like that. And if the um, the schoolmaster and the stable, the horse master, are uh, at odds still. And Fitz is like, oh, it's all squared off. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's fixed up, you know, we're good there. And, and then Yeah, and then she drops the bomb. The big uh the big rumor bomb that Fitz has been too tied up in lessons to hear. So I hear Prince Verity is to wed, she began conversationally. <laughs> she follows it up Fitz of course has no idea, and she follows it up with New Boy, I have never met anyone as immune to gossip as you seem to be. How can you live right up there in the keep and know nothing of that which is the common talk of the town? Which is incredibly true for like a spy and informant. Right. Um He's been he, taking a break. <laughs> he's been taking a break, like like three or four months, sure. Mm. But at the same time, like I mean, yeah, I guess it's like a full full on cult. But at the same time, like, in general, he's not very good at keeping up with rumors. No, no. If you point him at a task and tell him to gather information for this task, perfect. He will do it. He is also like Verity in that, where he kind of has to be directed. Mm-hmm. He can't just <laughs> gather random rumors. He doesn't... Leave him alone. He'll kind of float to uh-huh. do whatever he Whereas likes. I feel like Jade is more like me, where he just wants to know everything that's going on. Oh, yeah. So he's, like, sitting in on all the conversations throughout all the castle, hearing he about pretty every single rumor, even the ones that are lame and don't much matter. Because <laughs> they might. <laughs> they might. Um, but it says, uh, she continues on and says, Regal will find him a lady because Verity is, um, too busy to do the courting himself. So the rumor says, and Fitz is, you know, very disappointed and says, oh no, 
My dismay was honest. I was picturing Big Bluff Verity paired with one of Regal's sugar crystal women. Whenever there was a festival of any kind in the keep, Spring's Edge or Winter Heart or Harvest Day, here they came from Chalced and Pharaoh and Barons in carriages or on richly caparisoned palfreys. Oh, man. I feel like somebody's going to message me <laughs> about that. Capricioned? Capricioned. Uh, well. I don't know if that's right either. Yeah, maybe. Or riding in litters. They wore gowns like butterflies' wings and ate as daintily as sparrows and seemed to flutter about and perch always in Regal's vicinity. I like uh, another mention of Robin Hobbs' imagery, just like comparing them to uh, to birds and things that fly. Like They're flighty. They, they go to whatever is the most shiny, interesting thing at the time. Just saying, like, the flutter, they perch, they land, the butterfly's wings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Um, and prince catchers, I'd heard them called. Noble women who displayed themselves like goods in a store window in the hopes of wedding one of the royals. And Regal, of course, like, dangles them all along. Because he's... Yeah. <laughs> Fitz says, their behavior was not improper. Not quite. Yeah. But to me, it seemed desperate. <laughs> I just really like the. <laughs> it's just like, man, they're desperate. <laughs> 14 year old oblivious fits to anything. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Huh. Um, <laughs> and this, this follow up like scene with Molly was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Molly slipped a penny into my hand. What's this for? To pay for whatever you've been thinking so hard that you've been sitting on the edge of my skirt while I've twice asked you to lift up. I don't think you've heard a word I've said. <laughs> <laughs> he must have been just, like, thinking for a while, like, oh, God, what is Regal going to pick for Verity? <laughs> it's very fits, though, to zone literally everything out and just think in his own mind. Yep. No wonder everybody always makes comments that he's a little slow because I'm sure he's just staring off into space, like. <laughs> <laughs> yep, doesn't hear anything that Molly says twice, nope. and uh, we get a really good description though here of the differences between Verity and Regal and how Fitz views them, because um, it goes into how they are different, and he wouldn't want Regal or Verity to choose wives for the other, because they are so different, even as brothers. Regal will choose someone who is beautiful and wealthy and of good blood. She'll be able to dance and sing and play the chimes. She'll dress beautifully and have jewels in her hair at the breakfast table and always smell of the flowers that grow in the rain wilds. And Verity will not be glad of such a woman? The confusion on Molly's face was as as if I were insisting the sea was soup. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that description does sound great. I mean, technically, for a storybook prince, yeah, why wouldn't he want that? But Fitz says, Verity deserves a companion, not an ornament to wear on his sleeve, I protested in disdain. Were I Verity, I'd want a woman who could do things, not just select her jewelry or plate her own hair. She should be able to sew a shirt or tend her own garden and have something special she can do that is all her own, like scrollwork or herbery. New boy, the like of that is not for fine ladies, Molly chided me. They are meant to be pretty and ornamental, and they are rich. It isn't for them to have to do such work. And Fitz says, of course it is. And then lists off the women in his life that are strong, powerful women that aren't just beautiful. Yeah. They have things that are interesting about them. 
first one's Lady Patience with all of yes. her plants and, you know, making paper and doing her herbary. Mm-hmm. And she's still just as beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then she says that prettiness isn't even that important in a woman. And then talks about Lacey and how... Which fits. Don't say that to little Lacey's ru- face. Yeah. <laughs> also rude. But, like... But it is... I mean... Talks about how Lacey, like, creates things with her hands that are beautiful. And that's not just about her. It's something that's beautiful about her, but it's not her appearance. Yeah. And then Hod. Mm-hmm. How who, she can smith. And she's so clever and can make something that will last for years. And her grandkids will think about how clever of a woman she was. And that's something tangible that she's leaving mm-hmm. behind. And, I mean, it's just... it's really, This is really great. I love this. I love that Fitz... Can is, recognize that? Yeah, can recognize yeah. all these women as being really cool people and they're not just boiled down to their looks yeah and they're not just these dainty ladies it's fantastic yeah and it's great that he's saying like why shouldn't all the other noble women be like this they obviously can Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're not the exception to the rule and i like that about it that he's not saying like these are special yeah should be weird to have interests and to be able to do things right that should be a good thing Mm mm-hmm and that's not just because they're noble doesn't mean they shouldn't have to. Yeah. And Molly really likes of what Fitz is saying. Of course. Do you think so, really? And Fitz doubles down. He's like, of course. Mm-hmm. Then Molly brings up that if noble ladies do these things, they'll ruin their hands or they'll uh, darken their skin, they'll get a tan, or they'll dry out their faces. And doesn't Verity deserve a woman who who looks better than a deckhand? And Fitz says, surely he does. Far more than he deserves a woman who looks like a fat red carp kept in a bowl. (laughs) Which makes Molly laugh. (laughs) And then he says, someone who will ride beside him in the morning while he takes Hunter out for a gallop. Or someone who can look at a section of a map he's just finished and actually understand just how fine a piece of work it is. That's what Verity deserves. And this is where things kind of take a turn. Because Molly says, I've never ridden a horse, and I know a few letters. Molly, this whole time, while they're talking about Verity and the woman that he deserves and and what women, in Fitz's mind, should be doing in society rather than just presenting a pretty face Mm -hmm. or what they're capable of, um, Fitz is just kind of talking about what Verity deserves. But Molly thinks the subtext is... Fitz saying what women he likes and talking about Molly. Mm-hmm. Because Molly can do a lot of these things. Yeah. And it's it's great paragraphs here talking about all of these qualities that can bring good to the communities, to the children, make lasting impacts, something that is a hobby on or a, a business on their own that they can do mm-hmm. with their hands, something beautiful that they can create. And that's everything that Molly does. Right. So Molly's just like listening to this and like, oh, yes. Yes, Fitz. <laughs> so sweet. And then all of a sudden he's like, and ride a horse and read. And she's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> it's like, I've never ridden one and I only know a few letters. Yeah. And then Fitz is confused because why is she bringing that up? And then but he also makes like the perfect response he here. He does. Uh, what matter is that? You're clever enough to learn anything. Look at all you've taught yourself about candles and herbs. 
don't tell me that came from your father. That's so sweet. If you wanted to read or write more, you could learn. As for writing, you'd be a natural. You've balance and strength. Look, how, look at how you climb the rocks and the cliffs, and animals take to you. You fair one smithy's heart away from me. Fah! She gave me a nudge with her shoulder. You talk as if some lord should come riding down from the keep and carry me off. I thought of August with his stuffy manners, or Regal simpering at her. Ida forbid. You'd be wasted on them. They wouldn't have the wit to understand you, or the heart to appreciate you. Who would then? She asked softly. And then my man Fitz says the truest words that have ever been spoken. Boys are fools. <laughs> hey. <laughs> True, though. <laughs> this is that moment where older Fitz is looking back and he's like, boys, boys are fools. Yeah. Like, she wanted me to say this. It would have been the perfect line. It's like the mm-hmm. same situation of, like, you have a conversation or an argument in your head or something that happens in real life. And two days later, you're in the shower and you're like, oh. That's that's what I should have said. Yep. But yep. this is like ten years later. Uh-huh. <laughs> Fitz is like, if I said this, just like three words, it would have been. She would have been mine. She yep. probably would have kissed me. She would have. I would have uh. won her heart. And oh, Fitz. But I mean, it's kind of true. He's set up this whole thing. He's complimenting her. He's talking about women in a very positive way. Yeah, but it's not like a, a direct, like, um, overly flowery complimenting mm-hmm. right. wh- and, what she is. So it's not like Right. And gross. I feel like also it's not about how pretty she is. Right. And I feel like as a woman, it is a hundred times more flattering to hear a guy talk about all my skills and how good I am at things rather than say, Oh my gosh, you're so pretty. And I love the way your eyes sparkle and like whatever, like all those dumb pickup, like cheesy pickup lines that are common. That's nice too, right? I mean, those are, (laughs) (laughs) yes, those are nice, but I'm saying Molly's probably getting courted and I'm sure this Jade guy is, you know, showing off about how cool he is and then telling her how pretty she is and not caring so much about what she's doing. And Mm -hmm. here Fitz is saying women's jobs aren't to be beautiful for men. It's to do something with their lives and they should be able to do that too. It shouldn't be based off their prettiness. And I think that that would probably just be refreshing to hear as a woman who is probably beautiful, but also she is very talented in something that isn't necessarily... I mean, I guess making candles isn't, like, super manly or anything, but owning a business isn't necessarily very womanly either. Well, and also, she's, like, probably... I I don't know her aspirations or anything like that, but saying that you would be wasted on the lords who came to sweep you off your feet Mm -hmm. because you have more wit and, you know, everything like that... That just adds to her independence that she has already been having for the last 10 years of her life. Right. Building this business and creating these candles. And it's just like an affirmation that, you know, that that line right there, even if Fitz is not really intending to flirt, because it says, I had not intended any flattery or subtle courtship. But like that, that line right there, you'd be wasted on them, is... That's definitely a yeah. little bit of Fitz, like... That's huge crush on Molly fits. Straight up saying, like, <laughs> yeah, no, don't marry any lord, because 
bastards aren't lords. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think an illegitimate son, perhaps, would be a great fit. (laughs) It says, if I had said at that moment, I would. I think her heart would have tumbled into my awkward hands like ripe fruit from a tree. I think she might have kissed me and sealed herself to me of her own free will. But I couldn't grasp the immensity of what I suddenly knew I had come to feel for her. It drove the simple truth from my lips, and I sat dumb, and a half a moment later, Smithy came, wet and sandy, barreling into us, so that Molly leapt to her feet to save her skirts, and the opportunity was lost forever, blown away like spray on the wind. And they kind of just walk home. Mm-hmm. I think the Fitz saying the opportunity was lost forever is a little bit sad, because I think at any point in time he could have said this to Molly again. But Fitz has such a one-track mind, and he's so, if I don't do it in the perfect moment, it's done. Yeah. And I don't know. I just, I I feel sorry for him. (laughs) Another awkward moment at the door where she hugs Smithy, and then she kind of, like, closes the door and leaves. Uh Uh-huh. Like, just give her a hug and say, like, I would, or something. Right? Like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there is no perfect moment. Just do it. Um, but, yeah. I mean, he's a young, awkward teenager. and Well, it also know. says that he's finally feeling the, the depth of feeling fully, and he's fully realizing mm-hmm. what he feels for Molly, rather than just, like, she is my best friend kind right. of thing. Yeah. Well, probably the comment of like some lord should so should some lord come sweep me up probably hit him like well i don't want to see anybody that i know with her and then was like oh crap that means i want to be with her (laughs) yeah the, the conversation had grown entwined around us my words coming as naturally as breathing to me like, he knew this deep down, but, like, actually consciously recognizing mm-hmm. that he was in love with Molly right. didn't come to him until he actually said them out loud. And once, you know, you realize, uh-oh, I have feelings for this person, I feel like that's when things start to get awkward. Because before, yeah. he's just talking from his heart, he's not thinking, but now he's thinking, oh, God, oh, God, I like this girl a lot, and she's really pretty, and she's so close, and what if I say the wrong thing? <laughs> and then it's too late. <laughs> Um, Fitz kind of marches his way back up to the stable, pretty upset because he missed his opportunity. Yeah, and also it was cold and he's sore. Yeah, yeah, and he knew he should have been resting a mm-hmm. long time ago. Um, but he makes his way to the kitchen to eat, and just immerses himself in the soldiers who are talking, the men at arms, and he sits in the watch room where they're eating and just listens to gossip. Because he has separated himself from court life for the past, you know, few months. Yeah. And not only court life, but the soldiers' quarters where they've accepted him since he was brought into Bjork's care. Right. And uh, it says that a bride for Verity was most of the talk. Usual crude soldiers jesting was, you know, of course happening. <laughs> right. Um but there was also a lot of, you know, commiseration over his ill luck and having Regal choose his future spouse. <laughs> I mean, they're soldiers. They had Verity lead them at one point. Like, yep. they probably know. <laughs> they, they know. Yeah, they know. Um, but they also were discussing politics. 
Mm-hmm. They were discussing political alliances. They were discussing what kingdoms would bring what to the marriage and why that would benefit the kingdom. And it's something that Fitz remarks that was beaten out of him by Galen just in the past few months. He knew it all along that they were intelligent men that could, and women who could talk about this and these topics. Right. But Galen made him think that they were just men with big men with swords and that's it. Yeah. Like they were just brawn. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty ashamed of that feeling as well. The 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 discussion of a lot of the um the potential areas that a bride could come from is, is a little bit interesting as well. Mm-hmm. But of course we know it comes from the mountain kingdom. Right. Which is access to the tundra lands and the reindeer herds and also access to the top of the rain wild river-ish area right? Um, where they've heard about treasures and stuff. And that's <laughs> where we know if you continue through the mountain kingdom, Kelsen grows. Right. So those kind of all persist. And this is also where Fitz kind of realizes what has been going on. It's um, something clicked within me as if a key piece to a wooden puzzle had suddenly slid into place. I had been bribed with the offer of knowledge as another man might have been bribed with coins. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's true. He was first not really wanting to learn the skill because of what it might do to the wit. And then when he got a taste of it, he's like, this is, I'm all in. Yeah. Well, he wanted to prove himself beyond doubt that it was his right to the royal magic. Yeah. And that he had a right to be there, which is understandable because, I mean, he spent his whole life feeling like he's just a Fitz. Right. He's just Fitz chivalry. And this is one area where he can prove that he is royal blood and that he isn't just a bastard. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't make him feel good about himself to realize that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he decides, um, I would not let Galen deceive me any longer, nor persuade me to deceive myself. I also resolved most firmly that I would learn the skill, no matter how painful or difficult it might be. And that's what he sets out to do. And it does prove difficult for him because yeah. he's traumatized. And he's blocked himself off. Mm-hmm. He describes that, like, the next few, um, next week, in the next few weeks, there is obviously something building between the other members of the lessons. Mm-hmm. There's obviously uh, camaraderie forming and communication going between them. They were able to complete a bunch of different tasks. And Galen um, gets complaints from them when they're partnered up with Fitz that either the force he's exerting toward them was like a whisper or a battering ram. He has no control of what comes and goes. And I, you know, this is where I'm hazy. I don't exactly remember how it gets resolved or if it's all in his head. Um, But I I think it's mostly like the trauma of that. And he just needs to relax his guard and, and learn to meditate a little bit. Right. Well, it's really hard to learn how to control. Oh, yeah. When the last time you opened yourself up 
to learn this control, the person who was supposed <laughs> to teach you slammed into you. And said die. And, yeah. <laughs> so, like, how do you open up again? Because Lord only knows if you, <laughs> you yeah. open up, you're probably going to die. And this problem for him persists over the next two books, basically. Like, sometimes he just loses the skill and can't mm-hmm. find it again. He just has issues with being able to grasp and firmly control the skill all the time, whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says that, uh, sometimes I knew I had the skill, I could feel it building within me, unfolding like a growing seed. But it was a thing I could not seem to direct or control. One moment it was within me, booming like a tide against rock cliffs, and the next it was gone, and all within me was dry, deserted sand. At its strength, I could compel August to stand, to bow, to walk. The next he would stand glaring at me, daring me to contact him at all. And he was one of the most promised ones, like with ones filled with the most promise. So obviously Fitz is incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. Just no control anymore. Right. Which is so sad. Yeah. He had so much potential. He was so powerful and would have been so strong. Mm-hmm. But part of me wonders... So let's say this fight on the rooftop doesn't happen. Right. Would Galen have really let him make a connection with any of the other coterie? I feel like he would because it's King's orders, but I feel like he would still try to kill him in yeah. some way. Or I guess I just him. think of, they all look down on him anyways. He's the least favorite and everybody knows it. Yeah. And they're all in the state of mind of, so I want to be. Um, so is what's her name? Serene? Serene, yes. Um, but she, she like, just becomes the biggest proponent for Galen, but she is also, like, the least favored. Right. She was tied with Fitz, actually, because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sad, <laughs> but, like, she is uh, at almost as low as Fitz, and Fitz, his hate for Fitz is skilled into him. Yeah. And that's just how much he hates women. Like, that's gross and awful and it just makes me hate him more um but he he still says multiple times like drop your guard put down your walls um and Fitz would try and sometimes he felt the barest brush of his skill against me but I could no more allow him inside my mind than I could stand complacent while a man slid a sword between my ribs Try as I might to compel myself, I shied from his touch, physical or mental, and the touches of my classmates, I could not feel at all. Yeah, it's just, it's that trauma, he, like, he can't do it. It's such a vulnerable position for him that his body is protecting him, like, his mm-hmm. mind is just like, nope, you don't need to. Well, because he doesn't know how to protect from it. Yeah. he do- So even if he were to open up, there's no way that he knows how to stop Galen from coming in if he tries again. He doesn't know how to do that, and therefore, why would you open up? You know? If he could somehow learn that, I think he would have been fine and able to open up again, but he doesn't have any confidence in himself anymore, and Mm -hmm. it just... Ugh. I can only imagine the terror. Yeah. Well, spring is coming on, and they are able to complete pretty miraculous tasks and they're really becoming a coterie and Fitz is excluded and it kind of continues like that and you know Smithy grows up Sudi drops her full 
Fitz sees Molly again one time, and they're walking through a town, but they don't really say anything to one another. And they come upon a man selling animals, but the animals are in terrible shape. So Fitz is staring at them, trying to suggest to the birds how to free themselves. Yeah. But Molly is just seeing him stare at the animals and is cold and distant because... She thinks he likes the animals that are caged and obviously mistreated. Yeah, I don't know. And it says, as we walked her home, Smithy whined beggingly for her attention, and so won from her a cuddle and a pat before we left. I envied him the ability to whine so well. My own seemed to go unheard. Except Fitzy didn't do anything, yeah. so... Also, um, she has been waiting for you to kiss her at the door every time you go down, <laughs> and you have refused. So I don't know how you think your whine is the one going unheard. <laughs> But he is uh, doing better in some other aspects. He's eating with the guards every night, so right. he's learning more about some rumors. Um, Forge ones have become robbers all along the highways, and the stories of their depravities and de- depredations were all the tavern talk now. Um, the fear of forged uh, being forged increased, and markets carried candy-dipped beads of poison for mothers to give their children in the event the family was captured by raiders. Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, it's, I, that's... Imagine the fear you would have to feel at all times. And on top of that, you're so scared that you decide to buy poison candy so that you can kill your own child so that they don't have to be forged. Yeah. And then in the next sentence, there were rumors that some seacoast villagers had packed up all their belongings in carts and moved inland, forsaking their traditional occupations as fishers and traders to become farmers and hunters away from the threat of the sea. Like, think about any small town around here now. Mm-hmm. Imagine them, imagining the population just leaving one day because it was dangerous around them to go somewhere else to become prosperous, maybe. Mm-hmm. That seems insane. Like, yeah. the danger and how scared the land must be right now is crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. Poison beads for sale, like, and that's like a common thing to give your children like moving your ancestral homes from your traditional occupations that you've known all your life Mm -hmm. just to get away yeah and this kind of speaks to how they don't feel like they're going to be protected that this is a failing of the royals because they're not giving any message of protection to their people regardless of what they're doing behind the scenes they're not putting forth a message that mm-hmm. is promising or even it's been like six months now maybe almost yep. a year and the, yeah there's no that we hear of no proclamation of how to handle this right <laughs> it says a forged one came into buckkeep town itself and walked the streets so like they're they're wandering around they're getting closer mm-hmm. uh, it's crazy i don't know and then the rumors mm. also talk about a few that are about Verity himself. Yeah. One said that a wife had been found for Verity among the mountain folk. Some said it was to secure our access to the passes. Others that we could not afford a potential enemy at our backs when all along our seacoast we must fear the red ships. There were other rumors. Well, no. The barest whispers, too brief and fragmented to be rumors that all was not well with Prince Verity. Tired and sick, said some, and others sniggered about a nervous and weary bridegroom. A few sneered that he had been taken to drink, and he had 
was only seen by day when his headache was worst. Which is the skill, yeah. we know. He's and wasting people, away and yeah. wasting his body just to skill. And that's... This is why it's so disappointing that the royalty are not doing anything. They're not... The people don't know what skilling is. They don't yeah. understand. They've been separated from this for generations. And now it's making Verity look like a horrible ruler and he is protecting people which it is a little weird that he's skilling so much in the winter I guess just to be sure that they're not attacking during the winter but it's still like well it's the end of winter and this is the beginning of spring so the passes and like the waters are getting more navigable they're probably they're probably picking up their raids again so that's why Verity is right but it's just like I wonder if the rumors about him starting to drink have been started by Regal and his lackeys. Oh, yeah. Because everyone... I feel like the sick rumor makes a lot of sense. Although, Fitz did say that um, whenever he saw Verity a couple chapters back, he did look as though... Um, they had he been was, drinking the night before? Yeah, he had yeah. been drinking the night before, even though he knew that that wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, it's not a far off. <laughs> no. But also, maybe Regal just doesn't understand what they're doing. So he... I, I mean, I don't know. He probably knows enough to know that it's not drinking, but... But yeah, there's... These rumors are starting to go around, and it's combined together, really not painting a good picture for the royal family and, you know, the the approval rating right. for the folks of the Six Duchies. But these rumors make Fitz worried. Oh, yeah. And he says, none of the royals had ever paid much mind to me, at least not in a personal way. Shrewd gave him his education and saw that he was comfortable as long as it bought his loyalty. And Regal hates him. And he has long since learned to avoid Regal's shoves and sneers and dirty looks. So I'm sure he just doesn't run into Regal or Shrewd very often. (laughs) Right. But Verity had been kind to me in an absent-minded sort of way. And he loved his dogs and his horse and his hawks in a way I understood. I wanted to see him stand tall and proud at his wedding, and hoped someday to stand behind the throne he would occupy, much as Shade stood behind Shrewd's. I think that's the first time we get an aspiration from Fitz, right. like a hope for the future of what he wants to do. Yeah. And it says earlier that like he he wasn't expecting how deep his concern would be for those last rumors until mm-hmm. they're said. Right. And it's the same thing with like his feelings with Molly until it's said out loud like wow, I actually do admire Verity. Like I I relate to him the most. He's been kind to me. I want to be there for him mm-hmm. and I want him to do well. Right. It's also interesting how loyal he is to Verity. Mm-hmm. Because we know he doesn't love the assassin lifestyle. Granted, this is before he's done any killing. He isn't right. technically an assassin yet. So mm-hmm. maybe this is just because so far all the tasks he's had has been pretty PG. Um, but... I think this is the only time we hear him 
state any sort of want to be part of the royal family and to be up there yeah. and to help and work with. And he spends the rest of his life after Verity is gone trying to get away from that. Yep. It's just Verity. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's strange to me because he, as far as we know, which is not everything, he and Verity don't spend a ton of time together. I mean, later they, they, they do in, I don't know if it's later this book or the, the next book. Mm-hmm. Um, he like fetches things for Verity all the time. Right. And I mean, he does later, but up until this point, yeah. besides being his dog man, <laughs> whenever he goes, uh, on Getting a trip. Getting the toys from Verity? The toy that's soldiers. true. He does get the toys, but I'm just saying like, other than a few moments sprinkled throughout, he hasn't had a ton of time with Verity. And I guess it's just enough that he's been kind yeah that's all that fits needs that's so sad (laughs) oh and it's like more sad when i think about like to me personally it's more sad when i think about the fact that verity's only doing these things because chivalry asked him to and not that that doesn't mean that i don't think verity has a fe- like familial feelings towards Fitz or sees him in a son sort but of way. But it's an absent-minded way. <laughs> yes, it is absent-minded. And I think it starts from doing something out of respect for his brother, not because of having any actual feelings towards Fitz. Right. I think it develops. Definitely. definitely. But... He definitely develops into more of like a father-esque figure. Mm-hmm. But also you have to remember um, for the feeling later, Verity spends a lot of time riding in Fitz's mind. Mm-hmm. So they do develop, like, that link through the skill, which is very intimate. Right. So that's just another reason I just kind of thought of, so. That's true. But I mean in this point. In- yeah, at this point, yeah. Um, but it's not quite full spring, and Galen makes his announcement that the big test is coming. Mm-hmm. And you're either going to be part of the coterie or discarded. Mm, proven worthy. Yeah, proven worthy or discarded. And you shall be a coterie, those of you who prove yourself. Such a coterie as has never been before, I would think. At the height of Springfest, I myself will present you to your king, and he shall see the wonder of what I have wrought. <laughs> as you have come this far with me, you know I will not be shamed before him. So I myself will test you and test you to your limits, to be sure that the weapon I place in my king's hand holds an edge worthy of its purpose. Oh, Galen. He's... Too full of himself still, even after a beating. Um, But yeah, he announces that they're going to be tested. He's going to place them, you know, across the kingdom, blindfolded, and they have to come back in a specific manner in specific company in order to pass the test because they're going to be skilled instructions of how to do so. Mm-hmm. Fitz knows he's going to fail this right away because he can't receive any instruction and he knows that Galen won't give him a fair shot. Right. So whenever he's now stated that here's the rules, here's what's going to happen, um, he dismisses everyone. He is, is touching everybody's mind and... And of course... He's praising everybody. Yeah, he's praising everybody. And of course he comes to Fitz and doesn't happen. Because 
you know, he's the last one. He's never been touched by the skills since. And it says, he stared down at me as I looked up at him, and I did not need the skill to feel that he both loathed and despised me. So I want to make a quick comment. Is it the skill that's telling him how Galen is feeling, or would that be the wit? I did not need the skill to see that he both loathed and despised me. So I think it's the wit. Or just reading someone's face. Well, yeah, but I mean, that phrasing makes it sound like the skill can tell you those things. It probably could if you, like, were in somebody's mind. You could tell what they thought about you. So is that what he did to Molly earlier to see that she actually wanted to go? Or was that the Mm -hmm. win? That says, I quested towards her. And that's usually what he says for the wit and his life sense. So I feel like it's either that or, you know, his combination. Or maybe he thinks that the feeling part comes from the skill, but it's actually the wit. Maybe. I don't know. I, don't know. I just thought it was interesting to say, like, use the skill in reference to feelings that someone else has. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just interesting. The wit, I, yeah, I don't know if the... I don't think the wit spe- like specifies feelings. More like general senses of like, oh, this person or this animal is like angry aura, go away aura. Okay. It's not like specific emotions. So do you think that means up until this point, because Fitz has a very descriptive way of talking about how other people are specifically feeling. Mm -hmm. So do you think that's points of the skill coming through? Because he's just naturally talented and it's close enough to the wit where he can use that ability without being trained? Probably. I mean, he does mix them both, so... Yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? Send us a, send us an email or a message or um, comment on our Instagram or something like that. Please. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know either. I just thought it was interesting. But, um, yeah, Galen kind of goes into this diatribe against him and just... He does start with a kind of compliment. Yeah. Far better. <laughs> if Oh, never mind. Nope. No. <laughs> nice try. Every time we read it, I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And there's like, no, wait. No, no, no. No, because if you read sentence. it, it says, far better if you had gone over the wall that night, bastard. <laughs> far better. Time, every time I read it, I think I just like... <laughs> Don't want him to be that mean. I'm like, oh, he's just, you know, far better this time. No, far better if you would have killed yourselves. Yeah. Like, ugh. Beric thought I abused you. I was only offering you a way out, as close to an honorable way as you were capable of finding. Go away and die, boy. Or at least go away. You shame your father's name by existing. By Ida, I do not know how you came to exist. That a man such as your father could fall to such depth as lying with something and letting you become is beyond my mind to imagine. Lying with something. Yeah. Because he can't blame chivalry for having a child out of wedlock. Right, but like... He has to blame the thing that he lied with. But like... He probably subscribes to, like, the witch theory. I guess. But, I mean, that does... He also hates women. That's so. true. That's a pretty good explanation. <laughs> like, women aren't even people. They're just things. Well, I hate him. I hate him so much. He's the worst. But then he says, um, I must ask, he said, and the venom in his voice was hungry with hatred. Are you his catamite that he lets you suck strength from him? Is that why he is so possessive of you? 
Did you think I hadn't discovered him? Did you think you'd be free to draw on his strength for this test? You won't. Be assured, bastard. You won't. He's talking about Beric here. Yeah. Because he knows that he was the king's man for chivalry. Right. So he has that well of power. And because Beric got so angry that, that Galen was abusing Fitz, that they must have some sort of inappropriate relationship. Because Catamite is, um, I think in, oh man, I looked this up, is like ancient Greek or something. It's a pubescent boy kept for um, homosexual tendencies by a man. Which is obviously not the case. Right. It's gross that he would suggest so. Yeah. But, see, I figured he thought this because... He probably tried to scale at Beric and it didn't work. Yeah. And I think, I'm not sure, I guess I should have looked this up, but I think there's talk about how they can feel Beric. Like, you can feel the wall. You yeah. can feel something blocking. Yep. Fitz tries to reach him at one point, I think. Right. And so you can feel that there's something stopping you. And so I could see how he would think that that means Burek has skill and is giving Fitz skill to be better. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he thinks... Uh, that's how why I thought he assumed that this was the case. Um, of course, Galen assumes the worst. And of like, course. oh, you're giving him skill, he must be giving you something in return. Mm-hmm. And... Ugh. Just no, it's, gross. It's a disgusting suggestion and by a disgusting man, so... Right. Yeah. And also, of course, he would try to make Burek out to be a bad guy after getting beaten the crap out of. Oh, right. I mean, he he's, has to gaslight everything. Like, right. Um, yeah, I tried to give you a good and honorable way out by dying. Yeah. Like, you should have taken he, it. Burek thought it was abuse, but um, it's not abuse to beat you up mentally and physically, so. Yeah. You should have just died or go away. Yeah. Know? It's not my fault. <laughs> I hate him. I hate him so much. Galen, yeah, this is, like, the depth of his feeling really comes out in this section, and I know we already know he's a terrible person, and, like, obviously he tried to kill a 14-year-old boy, but, like, the idea that he can do that and then fully commit his mind to thinking that that was a reasonable reaction and that other people will go to the depths that his mind will go. Right. Is deplorable. Like, yep. it's it's terrible to look inside Galen's mind. Right. And see these things coming out. Right. And the thing is, is although he is skilled to hate Fitz, there is nothing skilled into him to try to kill Fitz. No, and there's not even anything necessarily to hate Fitz. He just shifts the blame from chivalry to Fitz because right. that's convenient. And... I don't know. It just, like, makes me think about how awful of a person he is anyway. And how even if he wasn't skilled to love chivalry, he probably would have ended up hating Fitz just as much as he does now. Right. I mean, maybe a little less, but also he killed that girl that he didn't even know for simply having the wit. So. Uh, Yeah. And then beat up and killed the boy. Yeah, her cousin. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He has no problem killing people, so it's I don't know but um yeah so Fitz is kind of 
confused because obviously like no no one's helping me like I don't understand what you're talking about at all mm-hmm. but at the same time I know that you won't let me complete this test right because I mean literally Galen says it'd be better if you go away and what is the test sending people blindfolded out into the kingdom mm-hmm. like find your way back go away Fitz yeah yeah um yeah now he's here on the roof alone and he starts rem- remembering what happened last time he was alone on the roof. Yeah. And he has a really strong urge to walk to the edge. Which he does. And he looks down. Mm-hmm. And... He sees the rocks. Yep. A plenty at the foot of it. And no one would survive that fall. If I could make a decision whose firmness lasted for one second, then I could put myself out of it all. And what Burek or Jade or anyone else might think of it, would not be any trouble to me. A distant echo of a whimper. I'm coming, Smithy, I muttered, and turned away from the edge. It still lingers. like. Well, he was skill-commanded to die. Mm-hmm. And now it's something he has to fight against constantly. And Smithy helps a lot. But, ugh. Which... Like, also brings up, like, the will that Fitz has. The mental will to resist this command in everything that he goes through. Mm -hmm. He almost dies at, I think, Antler Island. He is, like, almost dies and does die with, uh, in the dungeons. Yep. And he's, like, Every single time he's convinced and he, like, finds his way back to life Mm -hmm. to continue to live. He lives alone at this cabin after this series. And he is skilling out and then has depressive episodes where he wants to end everything. But Mm -hmm. he doesn't. Yep. But at the same time, like, I think he would have multiple times if not for his companions. Yeah. Mainly Night Eyes later because he stops him pouring all of his memories into Girl on a Dragon at the end. He yeah. stops him from, you know, going over the edge of his cabin a lot. Mm-hmm. Night Eyes is the one who doesn't want him in, like, fits in his body anymore eventually. Mm-hmm. Like, he needs, definitely needs help. And I think that just is kind of true about, like, real mental health yeah. issues is that... I mean, you have to be so strong to fight against mental health. It is so hard. But you also have to have a network of people that are supporting you and keeping you grounded and staying and knowing that you're loved and that you should be staying. Because you are loved. You're not alone in those Mm -hmm. fights. There are people who are there to help you. Exactly. And this is just... Fitz needs to recognize that, not being... (laughs) That other people are there to help him, too, not just his magically linked companion. (laughs) Right. Yeah. There are people that care about him. And people that care about you, listener. Thank you for tuning in this week. Sorry Um, it was such a dark episode. (laughs) I mean, that's... That's a lot of what this is... This series is. It's a lot of dealing with addiction and mental health and sad things, but persevering through them for a goal, for living, for finding finding your Molly or your fool or your night eyes. Yeah. So thanks again for tuning in. Um, please reach out. Talk with us about anything. Um, yeah. Isfitshappy at gmail.com.
or um, message us on Facebook at IsFitzHappy, Twitter, Instagram, anything. All right, the little intro in the beginning of this episode was talking about the theory that Burek and Chivalry were in love with one another, and the um, the reasons and the email that we got last week and discussed brought up a bunch of quotes and things like that. We yeah. kind of discussed those not quite in order. I only brought up the one quote because it was in the chapter that we were discussing at the time, and it left out a lot of the context of the quotes that we used and, and quoted from the email. Right. So um, I think we kind of ended with the specific quote of Fitz looking at Beric and Beric like saying, stop looking at me with the Lord's eyes, my Lord's eyes, Mm -hmm. as a quote for possible former former love between Beric and chivalry. Right. And um, there's a little confusion about who that was referring to. So... We hadn't realized when we originally recorded that the way we had phrased what we said made it sound as though Burek was having those romantic feelings towards Fitz. Yeah, because of that reminder of chivalry and it was like looking at Fitz and mm-hmm. it was kind of shared. Yeah, we didn't yeah, Im- we want didn't, to imply that. No, we just want to state for the record that we do not advocate for pedophilia or incest in any way shape or form with Burek being like a father figure yes to because Burek is basically yeah. Fitz's dad and um, that, that is was, not what that theory was implying either no that person did not have that intention behind it and we want to apologize if we made you feel that that was what we were advocating for yeah um, or trying to explain it or anything right um the 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 way that we did explain it, like I said, left out context that um, of the previous sentence, and we kind of just picked and chose from the email itself, mm-hmm. that the two people that had previously, or had two men who had shared love, were talking about Beric and Chivalry. And we kind of likened it to if a father is raising a daughter and the mother has passed away previously. The father might sometimes look at the daughter and be reminded of his wife and become sad and brings and it brings up memories of that wife. Doesn't mean that he feels any of the feelings that he feels for his wife for his daughter, just means that those memories are resurfaced with that reminder, that trigger. Right. And I don't think we did a good enough job of um, really explaining that point. Right. Um, so we're correcting that now. And, um, yeah. So like the, basically the whole theory, obviously there are, there are some points in the books that may point to Beric and Chivalry loving each other or Beric loving Chivalry one way or Mm -hmm. something like that. We, we don't know for sure because there's, it's not spelled out ever, Mm -hmm. but, uh, that particular line there is basically just Beric being reminded of the potential possible uh good times in the past that he had or the feelings that he had right by having fits there and dredge them up for him being that visual trigger to bring back those memories Mm -hmm. of him and chivalry together right in no way was uh those feelings being projected onto fits or anything like that no 
especially because Fitz is 14. So right, right. <laughs> it would be really gross yeah. if that were the case. Yeah. But I don't think Bjork is like that in any way. Oh, no, no. So, again, we're sorry that um, we didn't do a very good job of explaining that. And hopefully in the fo- in the future, we can catch those mistakes before mm-hmm. they are put out. Yeah. And if you have any um, thoughts or confusion about anything that we do say, please reach out to us. We will try to clear it up or try to clarify our own thoughts mm-hmm. about these things because right. we're pretty freeform in our discussion here. And mm-hmm. we don't script everything out, as you guys can probably tell. <laughs> um, so we just want to be able to communicate clearly and we're, we're going to try to get better at that right and so. we're just two humans so yeah. <laughs> sometimes if especially if it's something that we don't believe in or think is the case we can miss things and just not even realize that our internal bias is yeah. skipping that yeah yeah so it is good to be reminded sometimes that we should be making sure that even though we know that we don't mean something that it's clear that we're not advocating for something like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this, this podcast is just kind of started to discuss these books and, you know, maybe bring up some cool theories or start discussion on it. So please keep, keep them coming. Keep the discussions coming. Please email us or message us for clarification on anything. Right. Don't be afraid to tell us we're wrong. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or to tell us when we mess up, because we would like to know. We genuinely would, and we want to make this podcast better for you guys. So I mean, neither of us are experts on these books, and no. I'm sure many of you have read them more than we have. We just like talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're incredibly thankful that you guys like listening. So Right. Um, which leads us to a little cool thing that, um, a cool little email that we got. Yeah, and hopefully it leaves us all on a happier note. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we got an email from uh, an Alex that it's our fault that one of the new cats in his household is uh, named Fitz. Right. So, <laughs> loved. We also got sent pictures, so that was a pretty nice. <laughs> the other one is not named The Fool, and uh, the person said that they were trying to advocate for that name change to be The Fool, but uh, I... But Keep plugging still, away for it, please. Yeah. Like, that'd be awesome. It's still a cool name. It's yeah. still all right. <laughs> Fitz and the Fool. Get both of them. Try hard. <laughs> Try hard for that. No, it's fine. Just Fitz is fine. <laughs> or Night Eyes. Night Eyes is Ooh. a good name for a cat. That would be a pretty good name. I don't think Night Eyes himself I mean, would be very already, happy about that. <laughs> you've already named the cats, and they both have lovely names. But <sighs> I guess. <laughs> don't you guess the, their cat names? <laughs> Night cute. Eyes would not be happy about having a cat cat named after (laughs) i agree (laughs) Uh, but thank you again for um reaching out to us uh with your concerns your comments everything um positivity it's it's all wonderful to hear from you um and it really does brighten our day um every time we do get a message or anything like that yeah thanks for all your guys' support and love 